Hello, and welcome to Assurity's new podcast, Focus on Voluntary Benefits. In this series, we've partnered with Eastbridge Consulting Group to discuss the state of the voluntary benefits industry, as well as strategies brokers can use to grow their business in today's market. I'm your host, Matt, and today I'm excited to have with me Nick Rockwell, president of Eastbridge Consulting. Since joining the group in 2016, he's directed projects for clients not only in the insurance industry, but in third-party administration and technology platform segments as well. Nick has shared his expertise at many industry events and webinars, and he co-authors Eastbridge's monthly Benefits Pro column. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. We are uh, very happy to have the opportunity to partner with Eastbridge on this podcast series and to uh, tap into your expertise. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt, and uh, it's great to be here, and we really appreciate Assurity including us in this and just putting this forth in the, in the marketplace dialogue about uh, voluntary is a, is a good thing, especially with all the changes going on. So thank you. Absolutely. No, it's, it's something people are interested to hear about and something that we are uh, very happy to bring them. So Nick, today, as you know, we're going to be talking a, a little bit about enrollments and how a well-defined enrollment strategy is essential to getting the most out of a sale. So uh, to start, Let's talk about the enrollment method. How important is it to include that enrollment method being used up front when selling a voluntary product into a case? And why is defining that enrollment method ahead of time so vital to getting the most from a sale? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for this topic, one of the things that I think it's important to start with is always remembering why is it that employers are offering voluntary? You know, over the years we've seen in our data, some things change, some things stay the same. I mean, currently addressing financial well-being of employees is, is leading the, the charge there in terms of uh, topics that, that drive the voluntary conversation. So, you know, people are really registering the fact that these impact people's overall uh, financial wellness. And you, you hear that as a buzz term in the industry. And at the end of the day, all the voluntary products out there really aim to address financial well-being overall. So remembering how important that is up front. Not only that, right behind it is addressing gaps in the current benefit plan. So people are recognizing that my medical plan, as it's changed over time, is, is, is not going to cover every, everything that could be impactful to people. Not only that, there's lifestyle issues and things uh, you know, that are outside the medical realm and just the health realm, realm alone that people want to focus on. And then behind that, you have employee interest in the product. But those three are really leading the charge. And the first two I mentioned really strive, you know, really show us that at the end of the day, this is important and we can't just allow it to be put on the shelf. And that things that takes us back to the concept of uh, the overall holistic enrollment methodology. And I think there's a tendency oftentimes in the, in the producer universe to focus on kind of that feature creature sale, really making sure that the employer understands the, the nuance of the product and, you know, what's covered, what the benefits are, what the guaranteed issue is. However, all that's for naught if we don't have a good approach to putting it in front of the employee who's going to have a different you know, time with which to make the decision, they're going to be experiencing it in a different way. So having that all part of that sale up front with the employer and having it truly be, again, I'm going to throw another buzzword at you, solution-based, right, and being holistic that we're not just talking about the value of the product, but once that shines through that, Mr. and Mrs. Employer, we really need to, to put this in front of people in a, in a way that they can digest. So having that up front, is becoming more and more an important factor in installing a program the right way, not the least of which, you know, if we're, if we're not as comfortable with voluntary as a, a producer in the, in the market, it's something that we haven't focused on as much as maybe the employer paid line. We have to recognize the market or competition is getting towards that solution, is thinking through all the, the benefit communication aspects, not just the product pieces 
up front. So it, it's an area that to get the best outcome, having a broader discussion up front is important. Yeah, definitely. And to your point, the enrollment methodology can often end up being an afterthought when uh, brokers are considering everything going into an enrollment. Now, what are a couple of other overarching factors that are important to the successful installation of a voluntary program, but often end up being uh, like that methodology and afterthought? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the first things that comes to mind, we've seen this in, in various parts of our data over time, is confusing employer preferences around the election part of enrollment, you know, where somebody actually selects and says yes or, or no to a product versus the education you know, versus the communication and assuming that, well, if somebody wants to do self-service, that means they really don't want to do a whole lot of communication. Or if, you know, if I'm doing face-to-face, -face, that's really all I need to do because that's when the ground will be laid. So recognizing that our clients uh, have preferences that, that fit into both those categories. And at the end of the day, the reality is even from a preferred enrollment method standpoint, right? So the specific election piece of the equation, we see, you know, about half of uh, groups out there saying that, yeah, we want to see self-enroll uh, is, the, is the tool that we're going to use. But right behind that, seeing uh, some sort of enroller intervention assisting in completing the forms as a, uh, an equal number, uh, really considering that and preferring to explore both those methodologies. So we still have a client with preferences to look at, at both sides of the equation. So we don't want to assume just because there's maybe a trend around one that that's the only thing we can do. And then beyond that, recognizing that the lead up and communications phase is, is, is really critical and, and, and shouldn't be uh, lumped into just the self-service category alone. So, you know, the other one is not considering the variety of, you know, employee preferences uh, being educated when they're making their enrollment decision. So, you know, uh, there's a variety of mediums uh, that can be used and, and depending on age ranges, depending on demographics, people want to learn different ways about their benefits. So a one size fits all approach, right, to educating any group of, of consumers, in this case, employees, you know, looking to learn about benefits, usually is, is only going to you know, work uh, to a small degree in, in any good way. So recognizing that we've got a, a variety of things that we should be uh, employing to educate people is, a, is another piece that, again, it just oftentimes gets the decision isn't made until open enrollment is upon us, and uh, that's not the time that we want to get into it. You know, lastly, and, and perhaps most critical is, are the working conditions, right? The, the parameters around this. And it, it really does go back to your first question around setting some uh, enrollment methodology expectations up front and trying to put those guardrails that uh, we can get an employer to understand why we want to do those types of things. Uh, anything from the sequence of the products that we're putting together, like understanding you know, what, what's best to have come first, last, uh, right after the medical, that type of thing. Does it, does it depend on you know, which products we've installed first? Is it a second-year product, a third-year product? Active election is you know, another, uh, another piece that you know, tends to dramatically improve participation when people are kind of put through a process where I have to make some decisions. I can decide now, but I, I need to make a yes or no decision. That oftentimes has me think through things differently than if it's something where I can just, just focus on the things that jump out at me in the, in the menu of benefits. So, you know, at the end of the day, not confusing election and education, you know, recognizing those can have two different approaches recognizing the variety of communication needs that we might need to use for a group, 
depending on the, the makeup of the employees, and then really focusing on all those kind of programming conditions around the enrollment, uh, not just the communication and, and not just the high level of is, there, is it a face-to-face or self-service, but what other parameters are we doing to uh, try and create consistency in the group? Yeah, definitely. You know, those are uh, practices that I think are, are vital to keep in mind and that our listeners could uh, see a lot of success if they think about those a little bit earlier in their strategy process and make sure to keep them in mind going into the enrollment. Now, what are some other best practices a broker should consider as they develop and implement their benefits communication strategy? You know, you hear a lot about considering the type of employee population being enrolled, using, you know, multiple touch points and mediums, or beginning communication early. From your point of view, what are some of the the most powerful best practices that people going into enrollments can use? Absolutely. You know, certainly the the, the pre-communication part, you know, if you think about it through the lens of uh, employer data, one of the things that we're seeing is a willingness and, and an interest from employers to actually be promoting aspects of the overall benefits program throughout the year. So that's even showing us that, you know, prior to, you know, outside of even just a lead up to open enrollment, that throughout the year, uh, you know, reminding people of the packages there, even if they can't elect it, you know, obviously certain products are going to require that open enrollment, but planting the seed around what is there is, is, a, is a growing preference. So that really speaks to, you know, when we're leading up to open enrollment, you know, what, what kind of uh, timeline are we working with and in uh, deploying those, those pre-communications in a, in a meaningful way and a tactful way that help really lay a, lay a good groundwork. And it's not something that's just being dropped in the handbook, you know, right ahead of, of open enrollment. Variety, again, in those materials. So everything from, you know, digital to an, uh, an employer's uh, site, uh, anything that a carrier might be putting forth. If we're uh, utilizing a, a benefit administration system, are there other tools in that environment that lead up to open enrollment? You know, what is the overarching plan? And, you know, we, I think a lot of producers and a lot of, of employers do look to, to carriers to support that. But producers, at the end of the day, you know, quarterbacking this, uh, need to have a, an eye towards, you know, what are we doing to communicate uh, everything holistically and in the, uh, uh, in the lens of, uh, you know, overall uh, employee understanding. And then, you know, lastly, timing and, and the rhythm is, is really important. So, you know, in terms of the number of communications that would go out, you know, one communication typically isn't going to help a whole lot. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, this isn't very much a marketing experience, even if uh, the you know, client may not look at this uh, that way with their employees, a lot of that same lens can be used. And, you know, the old adage in marketing, you know, six, seven touch points before you get somebody to uh, make an investment in this situation, very similar in, in someone protecting themselves. They need to hear things different ways. They need to get that message uh, a certain number of times to have it uh, sort of sink, sink in in a different way. So making sure we have a, a sense for, for uh, enough timing ahead of uh, an enrollment event uh, where we can put in uh, you know, something beyond just one uh, singular message about what the uh, benefits plan is, is going to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Continuing that communication and using a variety of different types of communication is vital to meeting employees where they are. Absolutely. Let's let's drill down a little bit, specifically talking about small and medium-sized employers. Which enrollment methods are the most common and most successful with these uh, more small and medium-sized employers? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. You know, one common belief in the market is that online enrollment is 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 less common in the smaller end of the market and, and that is true that does remain true but we need to keep an eye towards the, the fact that it's changing that the smaller end of the market is uh, moving away from paper all the time and, and getting to uh, an arena where 
technology uh, is involved. You know, groups of 50, up to 50 lives are, are using online systems about a quarter of the time. When you look at groups up to 100 lives, that, that number moves up to about a third of the time. And then as, as the groups get bigger, all the way up to, you know, the largest in the market, we see, you know, nearly 100% of the time uh, using that technology. But one important difference down at the smaller end of the market is that, you know, our, while our larger groups might be doing this on a Ben Admin system that they have uh, gone out and invested in themselves, done some due diligence, maybe it has, you know, employer functionality beyond just the, the benefits uh, and enrollment process uh, for employees, but they've made decisions about and we're, we're as producers, you know, being asked to, to utilize that. At the smaller end of the market, m many employers will cite, uh, you know, drawing on uh, uh, brokers and, and carriers to uh, support that technology, perhaps bring that technology more, but more and more it is some sort of third-party system or maybe something that the broker has brought to be. But, you know, it's an important thing to notice that the methodology down that end of the market is kind of moving from paper alone to more and more uh, a technology play. You know, as we're looking towards uh, the support we get from carriers and you know, being seeing a, a nimble partner there uh, who can you know, plug into the, the variety of systems is, uh, is certainly important. We see from a success standpoint, we've seen self-service really go up as well. So a lot of times self-service gets thrown around in that kind of buzz term fashion. And a lot of people are, especially those who have been in voluntary a long time, think that it's maybe not the most successful way to go. But those who have sort of accepted the fact that, hey, it's a trend, it's a, it's a tool, there is a lot of scalability we can get at it. So long as we're using uh, good uh, communication and uh, other plans, working conditions, some of the things we've been talking about, we can see participation rates increase there. And we have. So overall, we're starting to see carriers register the range of uh, participation around self-service be similar on par to individual meetings, face-to-face -face meetings, and group meetings. Now, again, remember, I'm talking about ranges, right? So that means the opportunity is there, the potential is there to have success with this methodology in a way that it really didn't used to uh, have. And that rings true regardless of the, uh, which size of the market we're at. I think we just have to remember that are, you know, at the smaller end of the market, we might have clients that aren't as familiar with how to deploy these things. And it means coaching them and, and being able to speak to the additional layers beyond just the technology and people are going to make their own elections, going back to those conditions, going back to that education, probably all that much more important. Those are going to usually be, you know, smaller HR teams and, and fewer decision makers, and, and they're, going to, they're going to lean on the producer for the the best kind of practices around that methodology. But definitely something to keep an eye on that we're seeing more and more technology kind of come down market and uh, allow the small and medium-sized groups to, to use that type of, uh, those types of systems. Yeah, no, those uh, shifting conditions are very interesting. And it's key to keep that in mind, that things aren't the way they always have been and uh, they won't always be the way they are now. Now, no matter which enrollment method you're using for a group, enrollment conditions are still going to be a critical part of the enrollment. So how important is it to have an agreement between the carrier, broker, and employer on the uh, enrollment conditions that are going to be used and making sure that everybody's on the same page and has the same understanding of what that employee enrollment experience is going to look like? You know, it really is critical. Anyone who knows us or knows our business is, is mostly about uh, working with, with carriers today, behind the scenes, helping them uh, look at data to to make decisions about how to support brokers, how to support employers, and, and, and ultimately put good programs together. And when we look at that implementation phase, the sale through implementation, uh, kind of handoffs, if you will, 
having all parties on the same page, right? The client, any vendor that they might have that's, that's, that's necessary in the equation, whether that be the bad admin system, sometimes a, a payroll processor or some other a TPA on their behalf is involved somehow in, in, in managing and deploying uh, communications and, and, and managing the, the data exchanges, uh, setting up the screens on that bad admin side. I mean, that active election component, getting that buy-in from an employer is one thing, but then keeping that on the table as we work through the, the EDI process, most carriers will tell us that's one of the you know, biggest challenges. And producers really the one that um, can quarterback the best and, and look to keeping everybody on the same page, whether it's having a documented plan up front, uh, having some, some you know, finalized sale uh, meetings, and, and remembering that when we get to that implementation call, uh, or calls, you know, depending on how, how we've got to tackle that, that there really is that agreement in place by all parties, you know, without that, you really get, that's where you look back into postmortems on a lot of cases and can say, you know what, this, this just kind of went from, you know, five or six very clear conditions around communication and, and how people would elect down to, you know, getting only one email out the door and, and, and no active election uh, or declination there. And uh, it changes everything, you know, dramatically because time got away from us because there wasn't really buy-in at all levels. And that's usually what it goes back to. And it's, it's a good kind of follow-on to your original question that in that sales process, having that whole program illustrated for the client is really critical because by the time we get into implementation, those conditions oftentimes will feel more burdensome to our clients and they'll feel like they're being asked to do something that wasn't like, you know, set up as expectation ahead of time, if you will. So yeah, keeping those expectations uh, level between, you know, all parties involved is, uh, is critical to your point. But ultimately... And if I might add to that, oh, sure. if I might add to that, Matt, you know, the, the, other, the other thing that I, I probably didn't highlight enough is is helping them understand the value. You know, a lot of times something like an active uh, election can feel forced, right? Uh, it can feel to a client like, well, we're really, you know, we're trying to ask people to go through a more cumbersome process, or it feels like something we might have to ask the vendor to set up differently. You know, there's, there's really just this one time a year during open enrollment uh, for many, many benefits, right, that we're being able to ask somebody to look at those products and make some really important decisions about protecting themselves, protecting their family, and having some, some stop gaps uh, in their life. And it's incredible when you put some of those parameters around it, what it can do to have somebody realize, I need to ask more questions about this. I need to understand what I'm agreeing to and not agreeing to. And that's, that's in the best interest uh, of a consumer to always be able to say that and go back and recognize that, uh, you know, I was educated on this decision. And uh, so I, I think that we always have to remember that lens, right? That it's not just about saying, hey, this is how we have to do it to get participation. Well, increased participation means more people are protected. So just important. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, actually. That's, that's going to be key to keep in mind here. Now, you just brought it up uh, a moment ago. Uh, participation is, is ultimately going to be uh, one of the big goals of any enrollment, is getting high participation amongst the group. Now, question on that, which enrollment methods typically get the best participation? And you mentioned earlier the shifting prominence of self-service enrollment methods. Is that having any impact on participation rates? Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. So, you know, over time we have seen uh, the, the, you know, there's two different categories, right? The use of different methodologies. We've seen the increase over the years of the use of something like a self-service uh, enrollment. And for years that was, was not an approach that was generating much participation. In recent years, we've started to see that catch up. And, you know, we think there's a, a probably a couple of, of reasons why. You know, the first and foremost is there's 
better tools and technology around communication. I mean, you've got whole companies out there really dedicated to the Bencom concept. You have Ben Admin Systems getting better at, at you know, messaging. Uh, you've got uh, video-based systems and all these other things that are being deployed there. In the early years of, of those, I think there was some uh, working through the kinks of, of how to really hit the mark with that. I think that being able to uh, put those out there uh, in the right way along with the working conditions are, are, are very important. But having a technology that can deploy a message that, you know, I, I don't think today we can say it takes the place of face-to-face, that face-to-face allows people to ask questions and interact, uh, absolutely. But there's a lot of technology being utilized that can help people see that value proposition up front. So that's one thing that has uh, started to evolve over time. And another one is just that better conditions piece being brought to bear uh, as producers get more comfortable, uh, you know, especially producers who've long sold employer paid products and are doing more and more voluntary as a part of their business and their value proposition. They're recognizing more and more that it's not just enough to rely, you know, rely on a system and say that we're going to have this. You know, how many people are actually going to see it? Where does the product fall in that sequence? Uh, of benefits, all of those things really do come to bear. So on one hand, you know, seeing better uh, technology to deliver these various uh, communications that are helping people understand, well, why would I need a critical illness product? Why would I need an accident product? Don't I already get that from uh, my healthcare plan? Recognizing the difference, the value, and where it plays, being able to communicate that uh, on a broad scale has improved a great deal, but then also you know, recognition that uh, we need to have some, some guide rails for this as we install it that ensure people see it equally and in the most meaningful way. Sure. Now, let's look ahead to the future just a little bit. Participation that first year is obviously important, but when re-enrollment is approaching the following year, that's also going to be, uh, you know, critical to keep those numbers up. So why is it important for producers to talk uh, about the approach to re-enrollment up front as opposed to waiting until the next year? Yeah, a- absolutely. Re-enrollment, you know, after that first year of any product, you know, the carrier data we have on it shows that about half carriers uh, in the market will end up uh, re-enrolling something in a different methodology or different way they did uh, in the first year. And oftentimes that's a function of maybe not getting the same access, maybe the same buy-in from a group. Sometimes it's, it's because we've moved on to uh, another product. So there's a variety of reasons that can happen. But at the end of the day, for the producer to recognize that, you know, a lot of these products build on themselves and you know, having the ability to go back in uh, additional years and have meaningful ways to make sure that if somebody in that first year didn't see the value and make the investment, maybe in the, in the, in the second and third year, uh, those messages will, will finally ring true. But if we don't have those conversations with a, an employer, if, if our positioning around these isn't through that strategic lens of having a multi-year plan, we really run the risk again of having people think that they weren't they'd given the whole story or the plan wasn't put together uh, up front. You know, they're left thinking as, as an employer that, you know, isn't it enough to have the right product in there? And uh, educating that, you know, re-enrollment is an opportunity to come back and, uh, you know, relay that message again, add to that message with other products, certainly, uh, but having the ability to bring that in. So, you know, most employers today, uh, the majority are citing three or more products uh, that they'll install. Now, uh, you know, I think most every producer out there can agree that three, pre- three new products in any one year is not necessarily the way, way to go. But over time, what our employer data tells us is that people are comfortable with three or more products. Uh, right behind that is actually, it's actually three to five, and right behind that is six or more. So there's a variety of 
products out there and employers are open to all those options. But layering in a re-enrollment for the ones that we've already installed is really important because if we don't do that, we run the risk of the next product we bring in, having people base it on what's been the success of the other products. So they all build on each other, having that pre-communication and working condition plan, part of the sale initially, but then also having an eye towards what are we going to do in the second, third year uh, relative to this product as we're adding other ones. So re-enrollment is definitely something that yeah, I think as producers get more and more comfortable with, they're recognizing that that's how I, I really help create value that's going to keep me uh, with that case and uh, keep us uh, building on the programs uh, that we install uh, year after year. No, that's, 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 that's very, very true. Just keeping up those, those communications, keeping up those expectations, it's important going forward year to year. Now, in terms of expectations, let's shift over to producer expectations for uh, their carriers. How important is it for a carrier to be platform neutral and to work with brokers to implement products on multiple platforms, depending on what the broker and the employer have chosen for their group ahead of time? Yeah, this is, this is a good topic. So, you know, it used to be that carriers, uh, the, you know, the trend in the market was really to come to market with that environment for employees to elect in, uh, to be able to bring to brokers and employers that, that you know, website or uh, technology that allowed people to, uh, it was part of our value proposition as a carrier, right? To say, hey, when it comes to enrollment, we're going to, you know, have, give you some technology. We're going to have a website, uh, allow people to come in there. We can even plug other carriers into it. So for years, that was kind of the race if you will. And, you know, as that was happening, all the HRIS systems and Ben systems technology was kind of bubbling up in the market as well. And once we kind of hit that time period where employers were making those investments and, and, and getting into uh, making those decisions with their producers around investing in that technology, the carriers have had to become less about bringing any one branded environment or, or website to bear and being nimble towards plugging into uh, the various systems that are out there. Uh, I mean, there are scores and scores, depending on how you, know, how you classify the different platforms, probably hundreds of uh, systems out there. So for a carrier to understand, okay, my producer group uh, that I'm focused on, which part of the market I'm focused on, what's most popular among them, where am I going to get uh, need to develop some, some partnerships, if you will, to make sure that that data exchange component uh, works smoothly. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, from a producer lens, looking at carriers around this, this topic and, and where they're nimble, there's, there's two pretty big buckets. The, the messaging component of being plugged into one of these systems, right? So when somebody lands on the, uh, uh, the, the carrier's product for critical illness, as an example, you know, what's that look like? Is it effective? And can it be deployed quickly? Are they already in the system that way? And then certainly the second piece is that EDI phase afterward to make sure that that data is going to be uh, an easy exchange uh, behind the scenes. Uh, those, those are things that producers want to have confidence in and, and know that they're going to they're come to be. So you know, some carriers are better than others, uh, but at the end of the day, that's, that's one of the things that we really try to help people recognize is we've got to try and be nimble. And uh, we know that, that producers are looking for that kind of flexibility and, and capability today. Yeah, um, and you bring up something uh, interesting there, just in terms of the expectations for uh, flexibility uh, and the expectations for, for nimbleness and bespoke solutions. Can you speak to the growing trend of employer interest in having personalized employee-level communication? And 
that probably uh, had some complexity to the pre-enrollment communication. Can you can you talk a little bit about how that how that all works? Absolutely. You know, I I think this is one of the most interesting trends that we're that we're seeing in benefits today. You know, you really you have two topics with this. I mean, first of all, it really helps to demonstrate that employers as a community are starting to recognize the value in communication. So that's the first thing we should take as a positive sign from this, that that type of, again, kind of sophisticated marketing, uh, quote unquote, marketing type of uh, strategy that it's ringing true shows that the value of education is something that uh, our clients are, are recognizing more and more. But it brings up two sort of categories, if you will, of of things that we all have to think through in terms of actually trying to achieve that. And the first is the messaging, right? So if I want to present a product to people based on their their life stage in some way, can I depict that message? So can I take that product and show, uh, you know, in one instance, the, uh, you know, married couple or the family picture or in others, you know, the single individual who's maybe, you know, doing something uh, fun with their friends, you know, those types of visuals in the, in the message. And, you know, what is the story that's going to maybe appeal to those? So that's the first thing is telling, you know, having these different uh, stories. And it's probably among uh, the easier ones out of the bunch. I mean, that has become something where people have been looking at the various personas uh, of how to bring these stories to, to employees over time. And I think there's a lot more recognition and knowledge for, for doing that. But it is the first issue. issue. Can, we, can we actually come up with the various messages that are right for, for any group uh, based on what we know of their demographics? But the second and perhaps bigger uh, complication in it is how do we deploy that? So, you know, how do you take those messages and actually have uh, individual employees see the appropriate message? Now you're talking about a system that needs to be able to deliver that. I I believe there are Ben Admin systems in the market that can do that. Uh, We've certainly encountered a a few through our clients that cannot. Even if a carrier themselves could do it, that's a rare thing for an employer to want to, you know, bring communication, put communication in that way and more uh, back on the carrier. So it does become a question of, is that a tool that we have? Is it a, question, is it a tool that our uh, cl- uh, clients have? Uh, how are we actually going to deploy those in a way that the right people see the right message so that we get that? Uh, and are we going to get that ROI for it? So I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for us to see clients having a willingness to look at benefits communication this way. But it is another one that we have to determine is, our, is any one client ready for that, right? Are they at that level? of sophistication or expectation where they're going to be on board with it. And once they are, can we deliver those two things? Can we, can we carve up the messages in an appropriate way for the, for the various demographics? And then ultimately, can we deploy it in a way where people are going to see those the way we, we expect them to? Yeah, yeah. But uh, for the time being, a case-by-case basis might be uh, the best way to go on this. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Definitely. Well, uh, do you have anything more, Nick, that you'd like to uh, bring up for our audience? Any anything that you'd uh, like to discuss, or uh, any topics that you think are, are essential in, in when thinking about enrollment strategy? Yeah, you know, um, it, it, it feels somewhat obvious saying this, but I, I can't stress it enough because we see it in our business that, as obvious as it may be, may be, it oftentimes it is just kind of the afterthought, and it's that enrollment you know, really is when the rubber meets the road, right? You know, so many producers still kind of come from the B2B environment of the industry and 
uh, I think everybody can appreciate that, that, that typically the employer sale was the only sale that we had to do with that kind of true group product. But now that we have, uh, regardless of platform, uh, employee pay all products being more and more focused on, we have to remember how, how vital that enrollment component is and always be thinking through, you know, what is the lens of, of the consumer today? What is the understanding of somebody when they hear accident product or short-term disability or what does that really mean for me? because they really do need to be educated on in a way that uh, uh, oftentimes it just kind of flips and, and you hear more and more from, from uh, carriers and brokers alike come Q4 in, in, in January when the dust is settling that, you know, we just didn't get our arms around that. And I think it's, it's definitely the next area where there's a, a plenty of product out there. There's a lot of different options in the market, but trying to really hone in on what's our process to make sure our clients recognize that, their constituency employees need different options, need to see things differently, that there is no one size fits all. And we're having those conversations up front in a way where we can really get them on board and bring them through that process with a, with a, a full plan developed up front uh, is really going to make enrollment more successful. And, and, and recognizing, you know, our carrier partners, what does that mean to uh, the process and engaging with them? What does it mean to the flow into administration and first bill? All of that is, is really where that rubber meets the road uh, for this. So, you know, those are just some final thoughts around, again, what seems obvious uh, in, in, you know, nobody, there's no success unless anybody, uh, unless people invest, but oftentimes we find that it, it gets some of, the, uh, some of the least conversation. Yeah, no, and I think there's going to be a lot more conversations uh, in the future about uh, enrollment strategy and putting that more in the forefront front of uh, producers' minds. Absolutely. Well, all right. If that's all you have for us, Nick, it has been uh, fantastic having you on. Uh, your answers have been amazing, and I think that our, our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of those. They're really going to help them going into enrollment season. So I'd like to thank you just once again for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much, Matt. And thanks again to uh, Assurity. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Assurity's Focus on Voluntary Benefits. If you'd like to learn more about Assurity and our voluntary products, visit Assurity.com. You can also email us at podcast at assurity.com and we'll be happy to connect you with the sales team in your region. If you'd like to learn more about Eastbridge Consulting and their research, you can visit them at eastbridge.com. Thanks for listening. For producer use only, not for use with the general public, not for use in New York, Assurity is a marketing name for the mutual holding company, Assurity Group Incorporated, and its subsidiaries. The subsidiaries include but are not limited to Assurity Life Insurance Company and Assurity Life Insurance Company of New York. Insurance products and services are offered by Assurity Life Insurance Company in all states except New York. In New York, insurance products and services are offered by Assurity Life Insurance Company of New York, Albany, New York. Product availability, features, and rates may vary by state.